Hello there. Welcome back and happy SKUs Day. Today is August 17th, 2021. I'm Trey Crowder and that's Mark Agee. What's up, Mark? What's up, Trey? Uh, before he came on, I was uh, got through the first two episodes of the new... It, there's like five Cocaine Cowboys documentaries and uh, Billy Corbin makes great documentaries. He did the, the U, this 30 for 30 stuff on Miami University and all that stuff. But I'm watching it and I'm thinking about how, you know... American wars jumpstart drug epidemics domestically for no reason at all. And, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, th there's a, like two things struck me about it. One, these are all like the, the, the cocaine Florida epidemic was all like, these are all like the, the two dudes this season's focusing on are, are, are some Cuban, uh, first generation Cuban immigrants. And they're all, these are, these are smuggling networks created by the CIA for the Bay of Pigs and shit. And, but also like, Every pill documentary is so sad, and every yeah. cocaine documentary is just a great time. <laughs> just a party. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's fucking got like floral shirts on and sunglasses and fucking yeah. just yeah, holding guns and shit. Yeah, man, you're a hundred percent right about that. Pills was, just yeah. way more sad than cocaine. And there was like, yeah, this guy was caught with two billion dollars worth of pills. Like that's unless you're a Purdue Pharma, that's just not the case, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking. Uh, yeah, much less of a party thing going on where pills are concerned. Mostly just uh, poverty and depression. I mean, J John DeLorean ended up in federal prison for trafficking cocaine, but that's how he funded the DeLorean. We got a cool car with doors open like this out of cocaine. Fucking time machine, yeah, man. What we get out of what we get out look, of pills, dude? Look. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, arguably me in my career, I can't stand up to the DeLorean because my mama was on pills, I'm saying. So oh. I was this whole thing, product of pills in a certain way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah dude, you're the, listen, you're the if we keep the car with doors open this way. Dude, now, if we're keeping yeah. it real, cocaine gave us many gifts as a society. The entire <laughs> 80s, you know, like all yeah. that shit. All cocaine. So, you know, you got to give it up to cocaine at some point. <laughs> Disco. Alf. Alf. <laughs> yeah. Gremlins, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All ideas. All right. So, real quick, I want to remind y'all a uh, couple of things. I'm on tour again. Go to wellreadcomedy.com for ticket information. I'm in Denver this weekend with the boys. That'll be a good time. Hope to see y'all there. Uh, also, secondly, brand new thing, I have started a Patreon. Uh, so, if you're into that, I'm doing a couple of Patreon exclusives. One of them is I learn the news in real time and comment on it. It's uh, mostly horrifying, but I attempt to make it funny. And the other one is I rate and review American politicians. I started with Marsha Blackburn, did Lindsey Graham this week. We'll get to all these motherfuckers eventually. So if you're into that or just want to support your boy, which I would very much appreciate, you can go to patreon.com slash Trey Crowder. Thank you all very much. Okay. Me and Mark are here with us as always, producer Matt. This is Weekly Skews. Tonight, the ongoing debacle that is the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. We came, we saw, we fucked everything up, and then we left. We will do our best to make sense of a horrific situation. And for that, we'll be joined by our guest tonight, Stan Meyer, who is a former clandestine intelligence officer with the Defense Intelligence Agency who served four tours in Afghanistan working counterterrorism operations. In other news, or in other words, this guy's head to toe legit. That will be the bulk of our conversation tonight, I believe. But first, we will attempt to lighten the mood. And with that in mind, the Daily Dumbass. Matt, graphic, please. Uh, 
Tonight's DD, Texas Governor Greg Abbott for, well, everything really, but his inclusion in this segment this evening is particularly karmic in nature. Breaking news, everybody. Matt, play the clip. We are continuing to follow breaking news from the state capitol where in just the last half hour, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has announced he has tested positive for coronavirus. New videos and photos from the governor's social media show just last night that he was at a public event greeting guests while not wearing a mask. KPRC2's Bill Spencer is joining us live from the newsroom now with the latest. Bill. Yeah. How about that? So listen, you know, it's not generally uh, cool to applaud someone contracting an infectious disease, but when that person has spent uh, their recent career ensuring that the maximum amount of his constituents possible contracts that disease, I feel like it's noteworthy. Yeah, and the, the double infuriating part of this is like he gets daily testing because he's the governor, which I guess is appropriate um, if you're going to be seeing that many people. But also, they already put him on monocle and what do you call it, monocle antibodies or whatever. He's getting like free Cadillac treatments, uh, taxpayer expense that no one else can even get to your own ventilator uh, as a precaution. Uh, yeah. Right. So, and he's also uh, fully vaccinated. So, I mean, like, you know, presumably and statistically, he will be fine, uh, which is what you want for somebody who's vaccinated because the vaccine fucking works. But, uh, yeah, just after all his bullshit, it's just, you know, there's a little bit of schadenfreude involved with him uh, contracting it. I think maybe DeSantis will be next. Let's talk. Like, just got a news alert. He's just like, has announced penalties for school districts that have mass mandates. And by the way, they started drive through Regeneron treatment facilities so yeah. if you don't want to get the free thing that definitely keeps you from getting it for the most right. part you can get the very expensive treatment to assuage the symptoms the fact that one of his campaign daughters has a big stake in regeneron is just a coincidence i'm sure dude uh, he is such a fucking bag of shit actively working against the preventative measures while pushing the uh reactive measures that he has a large financial stake in is just like top shelf fucking lizard person bullshit. You know what I mean? Like he's such a fucking scumbag. Yeah. More and more I'm uh, reminded of that quote from season two of the wire. Uh, Frank Sabaka says we used to make things in this country, build things. Now it's just one man sticking his hand in another man's pocket. It's like, yeah. it pretty much explains everything. It's just a, it's just a, a Ponzi scheme being run by the governor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. Her uh, first honorable mention for Daily Dumbass is fucking birds. Dumbass goddamn birds for not having, uh, <laughs> not wearing flame retardant feathers. Uh, let's, this is Louis Gomert. Uh, is it Gomert or Gomer? I can never remember. Gomert. It's Gomert. It's right. Gomer. Yeah. Because it's like, right. He's, yeah, he's American. So it's Gomert. You know, I know this ain't no I know. French bullshit. Yeah, I know Fru Fru Parisians up in here. All right. Anyway, listen to what Louis Gomer had to say talking about the Green New Deal. But some of the crazy things in it, let's plant flowers on the side of the road. Let's study impact collisions between animals and humans on the road. What about the windmills? The windmills kill so many birds, and yet they're taking us toward the Green New Deal. Yeah, well, and another part of that Green Deal is the huge solar farm that they have out on the border of California and Nevada, 
thousands of acres of concave mirrors that magnify the sun toward three towers, heat up the the liquid in there and turn turbines. But uh, they weren't anticipating that there would be hundreds and thousands of what they would call flamers, because when the birds fly through, if they survive the windmills, then they hit that magnified sun, explode in flame, and down they go, bird guts all over the mirror. So that takes some cleaning up. This is the green stuff that's just out of control and is going to bring the nation down. Think of the birds, Mark. Think of the bird children. Who will think of the bird children? Louis Gomert, that's who. I'm just thinking ahead to like once climate change is undeniable or should be undeniable, like we're still going to hear all this disinformation because they'll be like, oh, that forest fire wasn't because of global warming. It's because a solar panel called a, caused a bird to explode and it flew to California and set the redwoods on fire or yeah. whatever. Um, I mean, we're just like we trapped like somebody the other day is like, this is what's going to happen is like, yeah, it, it, it'll be hot outside. But instead of being global warming is real, it's going to be like China hacked our thermostats. You know, the right. It, it also so like. First of all, they don't give a fuck about birds. They like they love to shoot birds. The most popular, you know, show in the history of their side of the fence was all about a bird shooting family. You know what I mean? Like the fucking the emperors of shooting birds. They don't give a fuck about birds. But secondly, like also we're talking about ultimately the fate of mankind. You know what I mean? And I think like millions of birds fly into the side of buildings every year <laughs> and die. And listen, I'm not for birds dying unnecessarily, but I'm just saying no one is trying to cancel buildings. You know, we got to have buildings. And I feel the same way about solar panels. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure that that he didn't just make that up. I'm sure that is like a thing that does happen, but it's in no way an invalidation of renewable energy sources going forward first of all uh birds don't hit for almost anybody they wake you up in the morning that's no <laughs> uh, secondly <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago we played a clip of trump saying the green new deal was going to make you get rid of windows uh and he was mad about that but windows kill more birds than solar panels by right. a large margin i bet right so, yeah Pick a pick a lane. Are you pro bird or anti bird? I can't figure it out. <laughs> public them public go, platform has to come they, down on the side whether where they stand on birds. <laughs> them in an effort to prop up fucking oil and coal and stuff. Them going like full bore pro bird would be uh, appropriately hilarious. I think like them, them picking I, up the pet calls of we're trying to save birds' lives while the, burning the, the planet down. The funniest outcome would be some Republican congressman turning hugely pro windmill because they kill birds, like after a seagull steals a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would make a lot more sense, you know, if they became pro windmill because they kill birds. Like we're trying to kill as many birds as possible, and windmills are doing their part. Uh, it's like they have they have to be personally they have to be personally impacted. You got absolutely. Like, Seagulls, please steal Lee Gomer's sandwich. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, they all have to be personally impacted. Like I was listening to a podcast, like about how much, like for example, this is off topic a little bit. The Supreme Court Stephen Breyer sucks real hard on criminal justice issues, and I tried to figure out why he hates why he hates crime and criminals so much, and thinks he shouldn't have rights. But then someone discovered that he's been mugged like five or six times. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, we all, we, we'd have no more Fourth Amendment because Stephen Breyer has a really punchable, muggable face. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our next honorable mention for Daily Dumbass is Americans for just assuming that we have a right to be alive. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene doing what she does. Play it, Matt. So while the news tries to tell us the hospitals are slam packed with COVID, that's just not the case. Everyone needs to get back down, uh, back down to common sense and remember that, you know, we're human. We, we can't live forever. We are going to catch all kinds of diseases and illnesses and other viruses, and we get hurt sometimes. Um, so I, I'm all for let's let's be rational with this. Let's be careful. Let's be cautious. And let's not turn into an authoritarian regime that forces uh, shots in arms of people that don't want it. We're all going to die. We're all yeah. going to die. Suck it up. Uh, I, the, the, first of all, just how stupid we've gotten about this shit. She's like, only 30% of ICU patients are COVID. Like, we have an extra 30% of ICU beds laying around in America. Right. I know. that. That's the whole, that's the context of the clip you just saw. Is she's saying, she's yeah. talking about the overcrowding of hospitals and ICU beds and stuff. And she's like, listen, it's not just COVID. It's car accidents. It's cancer patients, whatever. It's like, yep, everyone knows. We That is the point. The point is we need this space in these hospitals for those people, the general like things that happen to human beings and they are being overcrowded and taken up because of all these unnecessary COVID patients like that. Everyone. Well, no, they don't. Everyone doesn't know that clearly. But I'm saying like that's just assumed again. That's the whole point of the thing. But she's trying to make it this like gotcha moment where she's like, you know, people get hit by buses, too. It's like, yeah, no shit. And they need somewhere to go. Yeah. And like, if I had my brothers, the Green New Deal stuff would be a lot stronger, and we'd uh, mandate the cars have to get smaller and have better sight lines and be less heavy, so we're better fuel mileage, but also so less pedestrians will get hit. Can we? We could do that too, but like, you don't want to do that. So just let's all go to the hospital. Let's all be permanently injured and go to the hospital in every possible way, all the time. Uh, <laughs> let's all shoot each other, stab each other, hit each other with cars, and cough at each other, and that's what freedom <laughs> is. And, yeah. It's just like I can't wrap my head around like you want cheap health care, like, but you can't you just can't have an extra 30 percent of people going to the hospital and you don't have the capacity for it. And this we de- we just we can't draft a million people to be doctors and have them graduate medical school by Thursday. So I don't know what the fuck you want to happen. It, it, uh, yeah. I remember what's name with these people. Um, no. Yeah. And but she's been. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to cue that next clip because I she yeah. she she Kyra's is on a break and she's fucking using her time wisely, baby. Check out this clip. She's she's fully on one here. Point five trillion dollar budget is an Antifa jobs program. I'm going full time Antifa. I got my resume lined up. <laughs> what what is that supposed to mean? Just that it's like. It's for a bunch of fucking liberal shit, which means Antifa is going to be benefiting from it or something. Is that what she's saying? I think it's that everyone to the left of Mitt Romney is definitely an Antifa. And the people who would, <laughs> right. who would work in wind and solar are, are not doing it for the money because they have technical expertise. It's because they want to overthrow America. So uh, yeah. if you... 
if you if you want to get a job, a high paid like it pays like three times what like working on a oil rig works. If you want to work on a solar farm, therefore you paid America. So yeah. that's pretty much what we're going for. All right. Yeah. So producer Matt, listen, let's uh, in an effort to get to the primary topic, let's do I just want to do one more honorable mention. It's uh House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, or maybe I guess uh his um fans so much that he has fans um for just being who they are look at this sweet new merch that kevin mccarthy has put out for true patriots on his website (laughs) yeah if you're only listening it's a bright red t-shirt that says in white letters moron in very large font on the front of it and then in markedly smaller font, it explains that moron is a term coined by Nancy Pelosi referring to freedom-loving Americans who oppose mask mandates. So if you're walking down the street and just pass, uh, you know, any given person, all they're going to see is that you have labeled yourself a moron, which I find convenient. I hope these shirts are a big hit. I hope they really go for it. You know, I hope he... Uh, yeah. yeah, I hope he sees the result he's looking for. But they on his website it says that uh, they should buy this moron shirt if they consider themselves to be a quote top patriot. They got top patriots working on this, Mark. Top patriots who are morons. It's just so. It's one of those things that seems fake. It's uh, it's like self parody, you know. Like yeah. how do you make that funnier than it just already is in and of itself. You ever seen those parody of a parody I'm with stupid shirts with the arrow pointing straight up at your own head? It's sort of like what's going on there. But it's like, so (laughs) the the context of this is like the Senate doesn't have a mask mandate and the House does. The reason is all the senators are vaccinated and the House is like 170 people who aren't. But they always be like, how come they have freedom on the Senate side, but we're being oppressed over here now? You're a U.S. congressman. You're not being fucking oppressed. You get paid almost 200 grand a year plus a ton of perks to act like an asshole. Uh, and uh, it's also they trend. We talk all the time how the last people they try to do Trump shit, but they don't have the juice for it. But they're trying to recapture the the de- magic of deplorables, right? right? Right. But deplorable is not that, that you're kind of being called like an edge lord or a little yes, bit naughty, like a bad. Ba- there's like a badass element to the word deplorable. Yeah. Like for those yeah. people, it's like. Yeah, it's like I'm a maverick. I'm fucking, you know, I'm a rebel. Uh-huh. I'm deplorable. But moron is just moron. <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no badass element to calling yourself a fucking moron. <laughs> no, none at all. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy is telling his supporters exactly what he thinks of them, and they're going to buy the t shirt. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, so speaking of moronic, let's get into it. Mark the uh, the Afghanistan quagmire. The conclusion will it ultimately be the conclusion? Who knows? But how it's uh, unfolding right now. You want to? Won't you get us into this, please? Yeah. So uh, Trump signed a negotiated uh, a ceasefire in exchange for us leaving Afghanistan with the Taliban a while back, and the deadline yeah. is coming up. And right, so and he did that without the Afghan government wasn't part of those negotiations. It was just with the Taliban. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everyone understood that Taliban, Taliban was going to be the Afghan government right. eventually. So, uh, yeah, so did, did we pulled out, and the Taliban walked into Kabul and took a city of 6 million people without firing a shot, basically. And uh, what, you want to see what the vibe is like in Kabul right now. we got a couple different videos, but here's a CNN's report from yesterday about what, uh, what's happening right now. As soon as we leave our compound, it's clear who is now in charge. Taliban fighters have flooded the capital. Smiling and victorious, they took this city of six million people in a matter of hours, barely firing a shot. This is a sight I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. Some carry American weapons. They tell us they're here to maintain law and order. Everything is under control. Everything will be fine, the commander says. Nobody should worry. What's your message to America right now? America already spent enough time in Afghanistan. They need to leave, he tells us. They already lost lots of lives and lots of money. People come up to them to pose for photographs. death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. Yeah, just your friendly neighborhood jihadist, Mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but the Taliban isn't Al-Qaeda, and they could, we keep playing this game, we conflate the two of them, and they are, the Taliban sucks, I and mean, this is not, you got to handle the Taliban, but I'm seeing people being like, like, there was, a, there was a press conference, the Taliban had a press conference where people were Afghan journalists were asking pretty aggressive questions and they weren't killing people. And they had, it, there was actually a really funny exchange where somebody asked them, are, you, are we going to have freedom of speech in Afghanistan? And it, the guy said, how can you ask us about freedom of speech when America doesn't even have it? Because Facebook is censoring conservatives. I was like, oh shit, that, that fucking talking oh point is all the way to Afghanistan. And then, Don, of course, Don Jr. thought that was hilarious because um, he's a moron. But uh, I was thinking about uh, this morning when I was like flipping through HBO Max to find something to watch while I did, while I did my cardio. And the uh, <laughs> there's like a bunch of new Home Alone movies on there that I didn't know existed, like okay. Home Alone 4 okay. and Ho- Home Alone, one called Holiday Heist, I think. And I was sitting there, oh, Is it a different like, kid every time or what? I think so, yeah. Okay. And uh, so I was then thinking, oh, I had no idea they're out there still doing that, but I guess somebody's making a buck off of it. And I guess that's been how most Americans think about the Afghan war for like, the last 15 years. Uh, right. It, it, it's just like none of this. I don't know, man. It's all bad. It's all fucking right. wasteful. It's well, it, it's like. Go ahead. Well, that's kind of the bit. Like, that's sort of the big. The only takeaway that I think there is to this is just that it's all fucking tragic and awful. Like there's a lot of finger pointing, throwing blame and stuff like that. The blame falls on fucking America <laughs> as as a you know country and a government and just an entity at large like this whole thing is i think that initially going into afghanistan after 9 11 was you know i think justified at the time but everything that transpired after that the way it all played out like we we never should have been there for 20 goddamn years but also you can't just you can't just say fuck it and buy. after having already done that thing you never should have done you then have an obligation to uh, 
handle it a little better than this has been handled, I think. And it's a deal that Trump made that Biden, I guess he felt like his hands were tied. So what's he going to do? He's got to follow through on it. But I'm just, I'm so, it happened right now. And right now, Joe Biden is the president. So like, you know, he has to bear some of the responsibility. Um, but anyway, fucking, we'll keep talking about it. But what do you think? <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, the root call, like, People are arguing about whose fault, what president's fault this is, and all that shit. And it's like it's so many people's fault that I don't right. really assign sort right. of blame. George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, held through the whole entire Obama administration, this shit was going on. Countless diplomats and different cabinet members and shit over the years, like you said, is fucking. It's a ton of people's fault, you know. Yeah, people are like, why did they? Why did like the Afghan police and army surrender so quickly or whatever? It's like. There was like something that I found astounding is that the Afghan police hadn't been paid in like almost two months. Right. So the, the Taliban offered them all 150 bucks just to go home. So they did. It's like, how does the Taliban have better supply chain logistics for dispersing money than the U.S. government? And right. that's it's just so much graft and corruption that it was never going to work. And we built that into the system. Like, um, I, I the thing is, like, we don't talk a lot about foreign policy on the show. And that's for, uh, you know, a reason. It's like, I don't understand enough about right. Afghan politics and which warlords are allied with who and with the different tribal factions and rivalries that go back a thousand years and their, their different religious beliefs and languages. I don't understand that shit. The problem is neither does George W. Bush or Condoleezza Rice or Donald Rumsfeld. And that's the core fucking problem of all this. Um, is this we all went absolutely insane after 9-11. We all did. We wanted to fucking lash out and punish somebody for, for, for feeling unsafe. And we think we're entitled to feel safe as Americans on our own shores. And somebody had to pay. And this is, and we've been doing it for 20 years and no one can even explain what the fuck we're even trying to accomplish. There was a, the, there was a report, the special, the special inspector general for Afghan reconstruction. It came out in 2015 and people were posting clips from it today, I mean, uh, 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 screen grabs. And it's just like, it's just an utter failure. Like, like in 2015, this guy was like, there's, we don't know what we're doing still it's 14 years in we don't know like we're not right. we're not accomplishing jack shit there is something i found astounding like the the the, the, the diplomatic staff the state department's like i think 7900 people which is about the same number of people the department of defense has in its various bands like there are like <laughs> there are more color like color bar color guard tuba players in the military than there are <laughs> diplomats in the in america it's like what the fuck are we doing man like you right. know yeah um, just, yeah, it's, uh, it's like they said, cause I worked in the fed, I worked for the DOE in Oak Ridge, none of this shit, but still I haven't worked for the federal government a little bit and being in show business, there's a very famous quote in show business from, uh, William Goldman who says, uh, he said, the number one thing you need to know is nobody knows anything. Like, no one. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. They're all just, like, throwing darts at the wall or whatever. And in my experience working for the government, there was a lot of that going on, too. Like, it's just uh, fucking, you know, the blind leading the blind in a lot of ways. Political appointees and shit, people get put in positions. They don't not, They don't know what the fuck they're doing. There are people who do, but they're outweighed by just this, uh, you know, massive machine that generally doesn't it seems like uh i wanted so we've got a lot more to talk about in this topic obviously and i want to go ahead and get our guest out here to join us for it um 
Our guest tonight, as I mentioned up top, is a former clandestine intelligence officer with the Defense Intelligence Agency who served four tours in Afghanistan working counterterrorism operations. He also served in Iraq as a Marine infantryman and is now a writer, actor, and playwright living in California's high desert. Everybody, please welcome Stan Mayer. Hey, Stan. How's it going, gents? Hey, good to see you, man. Yeah, uh, also... Yeah, Stan, he's also done the Well Read podcast. I've known Stan for a little bit, and uh, he's a good dude, so it's good to have you here. Stan, if you could um, just sort of give us kind of an overview of your general experience, just kind of your background, you know, so people know where you're coming from. Sure, sure. I feel like I just came out of the closet a little bit. I don't know that I've ever publicly told anyone that I was a clandestine intelligence officer, but here I am. Oh, is Trey, is Trey going to get Mo? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine there. You love it. They have good jerk chicken. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I got recruited in the agency um, out of the hospital. I got wounded in Iraq as a Marine, and I was in the Naval Hospital in D.C., and I ended up rubbing elbows with some intel guys. Uh, I thought they were hiring me to be a security guard. But anyway, I went through the training pipeline, and I ended up spending – better part of seven years sitting in shipping containers with Taliban commanders, low level guys, some higher level guys, uh, talking to them, trying to get them to dime out their friends. And that's basically how we would establish relationships and figure out, um, the priority of who we're going to kill first and who we're going to capture and who gets to stay off that naughty or nice list, you know? And that was uh, essentially my my job and, you know, write reports and send them back to D.C. And maybe they end up in the presidential daily brief and then he wouldn't read it or misinterpret it or whatever. And and we continue to, you know, wag that dog. Essentially, I stopped doing that when I realized that the war wasn't meant to be won, which took me 16 years that it just kind of was meant to go on forever. And uh, right. maybe that's my foil hat speaking, but I kind of saw that and I was like, I feel like I killed that guy like or was part of the operation to kill some guy or I hunted some dude for like four months and some other guys went out to kill him. And I'm like, that's like the hundredth time we killed that same guy. And somebody looked at me across the table, just eating a bowl of lucky charms. Well, I just watched the dude engage with his rifle in combat. And he just kind of smiled at me and said, yeah, dude, same guy. It's always the same guy. And I was like, holy shit, we're here for some other reason that I thought. And then all of a sudden my little firecrackers and American flag, you know, underwear went out the window and I just want to come home. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I've wondered about with you guys, everybody that served over there, like, is there a, I mean, it seems like you kind of came to a conclusion like this before now, and that's part of why you left, but is there this feeling of like, all that shit was for nothing, you know, like massive sacrifices were made by so many Americans and seeing this unfold, is it like, goddamn? that was there was no point to any of that or do you kind of just understand that even you know at a certain point oh brother this is my uh my second back-to-back you know l for wars (laughs) i uh i gotta tell you i kind of i got to digest and i'm still digesting it'll be a life process you know i had i was in a unit that was in a lot of combat in the marines i i had 48 kia in one tour this summer 2005 when i was 23 years old that's a lot of friends dead in one summer i mean not by nom standards but by 21st century global war on terrorism that's a lot and and then iraq just kind of shut down everyone went home and said like no we're we're good 
so what the fuck? And then we're in Afghanistan and uh, this shit's been going on for 20 years, brother. I mean, like I, I'm like rage typing like Kermit the Frog the past like two days, like manifestos that I'm like threatening to send to the Washington Post. But they're all like anger at everyone else, at like Americans for shutting their brains off for, for nobody gave a shit. And then all of a sudden this this happened. Right. And I'm right. trying to exercise a little empathy right now because I didn't start I didn't come home, become an, you know, like a, an activist, which I surely could have. Um, I'm exhausted, man. And I'm not saying it's. You know, like I promised a lot of guys, you know, Taliban guys, local guys, guys are helping me that that I could, you know, if they worked with me, that they they might have a better chance of staying alive. And they all kind of hedged their bets. You know, some of them had two daddies and there was me and then there was the the Taliban. Right. And you kind of have to do both. Um, stay off the list for, you know, both sides anyway. The point is, is that we saw this coming a million miles away. We knew that there was no way that we we're going to protect those guys. All those promises were for naught. It was all just kind of to continue moving the ball forward until maybe somebody woke the fuck up in the United States and said, hey, are we still at war? But everyone forgot. I, and right. I, I don't feel like that's hyperbolic. I mean, like we all kind right. of been insulated from this Afghanistan thing that's been going on for two decades. And uh the I was never there as a Marine. Those guys in Lashkar Gah and Sangin, holy shit, right? Um, and uh, it continued. And we didn't even see the stuff in the newspaper. We're not talking about the news, nothing. So you were talking about how, you know, we saw it coming a million miles away. We we're like, this is just, it's just, you know, it's the same guy over and over again. It's, the, you know, the forever war, basically. So, like, was there ever... At that, by the time it got to that point, was there ever a you know acceptable way out? Was it just like it's going to go on forever, or something like this was going to happen eventually? You know, in your opinion, I mean. Yeah, I mean, when we stepped foot out there, right? So we had we had a good show of force a good team effort coming out the gate you know uh operation anaconda we're up in the Tora Bora mountains smoking out you know taliban hooking up with the northern alliance finding all the old Muj fighters from back in the day and you know we got sf dudes on horseback riding through and and then we stayed right uh and it was kind of a little operation and then iraq happened and that was a big operation afghanistan kind of happened in the in the background we weren't planning on getting out of there. We waited until we could retrieve our assets from Iraq and put them in Afghanistan. And then what happened? 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, Afghanistan blows up. All of the asses there, all the equipment, everything. All of these bases start popping up. And uh, I mean, the we we never intended to pull out but some politician was going to end up you know rolling snake eyes and and you know like right the musical chairs and he was going to end up without a chair and it, this one's biden right and like i'm not really impressed with how he did it because we could have really put some shit in place to take care of some of these people that we promised that they'd be taken care of or even you know 
setting up women to be mayors of of of, uh, of villages or provinces. Even I don't think anyone's a mayor of a province that's a female in Afghanistan. But but like and and to take the happy snaps with them, the politicians to stand there next to them and say, "Look what we've done. Here's a, here's a woman yeah. in Afghanistan. She's in charge." And then to not send her a plane ticket before we pull out in the night right. without telling anybody, you know, and these Afghan fighters, man, that look, the ANA, the Afghan national army, the Afghan national police, right. We're not talking about a well-oiled machine of war fighters, but we are talking about some guys who made a choice. It was not safe for them. You don't put on an ANA uniform and expect to live every day. Right. Yeah. Like everyone's trying to kill you. And maybe they're putting that uniform on because they don't want me trying to kill them. Right. So, so they're hedging their bets too, but those guys died as many of them died yearly as, uh, as Americans died in the entire 20 year duration. Right. And, you know, you can fact check me on that, but it's ballpark is what we're looking at. And, uh, they didn't always get paid on time. Right. The gasoline that we'd give them to put in their trucks, their little danger Rangers with their technical, you know, uh turrets on the back and, and whatnot they're driving around they have low armor low anything they they're kind of trained you know our sf guys have taught a lot of dudes how to do some cool stuff but they don't really have it that gasoline kind of disappears as soon as it goes in the tank you know we'd have lots of these rangers that we'd have the ana guys patrolling in no fucking wheels on them because the second we put them out there brand new they would just get kind of scrapped you know and uh it all kind of go away and we yeah. didn't have the point i don't know what my point is anymore i'm just ran <laughs> no it's all right you're doing fucking great buddy they, those guys you're talking about they've become part of the narrative too i think of people talking about asking like what what were they doing why didn't yeah. they do anything about this yeah. you know like they're fucking running they're not doing anything we trained them all this time for nothing but like that's fucking that's bullshit right like you said like it's a massive choice to have even made to be there in the first place and it's not like they just like putting it out there as though they just don't give a fuck or they turn tail at the earliest you know opportunity or whatever is pretty fucked up right like that's not the yeah. deal that that was yeah. my point um they're just um they're screwed the afghans were fucked right. when we decided that afghanistan was the enemy or that the bad guys were in afghanistan right you know, five minutes after the plane hit the tower, yeah. the first tower, right? Uh, and it's Bin Laden, right? We're not talking about going after the 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 guys in the nice, clean, you know, mm -hmm. shawar commies or whatever they call them in Saudi Arabia. But right. you know, like they're we're not over there knocking on their door. We're in man. I went into villages in Kandahar. I would kind of roll up, man, and it was cool. Like me is just a six foot four white dude and a coming out of a striker vehicle. Cause I kind of, I could go tap an army unit and say, you guys go in this village. They say, nope, but we will. And I just jump in, they drive me there and I could hop out. I'd say, who's in charge here. And some key, you know, local elder would jump out and he would invite me to like a chicken fight or cock fight or something like that. And like feed me and we'd talk and they would think that I was Russian cause they had no fucking idea about nine 11. Right. Holy shit. Uh, that's a, that, that happened. All right. Yeah. Wow. Um, they're screwed. We weren't going over there right. to get refugees out someday, but we we're going to use every single last one of these, these people, these human beings 
I mean, some of these kids that I used to sit with that would help facilitate what I needed them to do, bring me information about other guys or they were young, you know, like, I mean, not minors because we're not supposed to be talking to minors, but like uh, in their 30s. Right. Um, And watching this and feeling pretty, pretty betrayed. And I don't blame I, them. Dude, they'd, they'd have to, right? You'd have to feel betrayed after. I mean, they were just like you said earlier, talking about the things that could have been done better. Just like they were just fucking left hanging out to dry, man. Like, I mean, kind of literally there were people hanging off of airplanes trying to get out of the country, you know, and people died doing that. I mean, it's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, and talking That's- about the refugees, I wanted to. Producer Matt, if you have that clip of Laura Ingram, if you could uh, put that up whenever you've got it, she said. And is it really our responsibility to welcome thousands of potentially unvetted refugees from Afghanistan? All day we've heard phrases like we promised them. Well, who did? Did you? Did you? Well. What's well, your, uh, is, is, yeah, I mean, like it's like, that's, that's the fucking, it, it, right. a, stat, a stat that I saw yesterday that blew my mind is like the median age of an Afghani is 18 years old. So the majority of Afghans weren't even born on fucking 9-11. And it's just wild to me, the, the complete lack of sympathy that people in power in America seem to have for, you know. Right. Yeah. As somebody who's just, you know, sat on my ass and watched it all unfold, I see that clip and my react and my response is also, yeah, yes, we 100% do have an obligation to do that, it seems to me. But I'm wondering, Stan, what you think about that mentality. Oh, we're not really in a nation of accountability anymore. Um, yeah. We were kind of taught slowly over time that that we could say it wasn't me. And in the last four years, we were it was really hammered in there. Like, it wasn't me is good enough. And then you just walk away and watch it. You know, let it burn you. You have to look at it. Sure, you know, stand out there promising the world to anybody that's willing to dime out their buddies so that I can send some seals after you know, you know, Muhammad or whatever. Uh, they're not going to honor those promises, right? And th- these are things that are just kind of part of the game. The deal is, is that these people. Like I keep saying, we're hedging their bets and they were kind of hoping that maybe this time, you know, maybe these people were young enough. Maybe these like 20 year old local grape farmers um, were saying, like, maybe if I work with Stan, you know, maybe I'm not old enough to remember what happened when the Russians were here or, you know, the Northern Alliance or anything like that or what happened before then. But like these guys might might be my ticket, you know. Yeah. Uh, And they're not, you know, they get get it now they get it now but my guys is like what happens with our next bullshit war right and it's going to be bullshit whatever it is and uh they send some new kid that is doing what i used to do is trying to find who the bad guys are and where they are and when they're there so that our special operators can go out and find them and kill them and nobody wants to talk to them because they remember what happened right it's the same thing when when uh What's his nuts with the white hair came out and dumped all that that uh, WikiLeaks bullshit with all the the files yeah. and the you know, the source data and everything and now how are you going to get a uh, a CIA case officer in a room with somebody that's going to that's going to talk to them and trust them that they're not going to sell them out or that they can even protect their information right 
who who's going to talk to us? It's credibility, and we're we're running out of it, but we don't need it anymore because nobody. I mean, the diplomacy's not there. We're just we're just on our knees sucking off defense industry. That's all we care right. about. That's all we're going to do. That's what's running it. We can't right vote because that well that's. Too stupid to figure out anything. We're, we can figure out we should put a mask on, right? Like, it's 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 going to continue, and it's going to be them running the shit, right? Right. But like you someone, were saying, like, infuriated me. It was like something like out of the two trillion dollars we spent in Afghanistan, something like eighty to ninety percent of it, and it, it went in American contractors' pockets. So it right. went back in the American economy, but just not spent anything useful. It always went to to buy guys from Raytheon a pool or whatever. Uh, houseboat and it's just it's fucking maddening man I, I, it, yeah sorry yeah I can't I can't imagine how you feel about it it must be like it, it, grief is only that I can imagine it must be you know well brother I have a, uh, a kind of wonder years kind of vibe coming out of Afghanistan I grew up there right not like 10 year old BMX bike growing up but you know, late twenties, early thirties, I, I went through that transition of like, what was, you know, a young man into a, a, an actual adult male and, and, uh, saw a lot of war and, uh, and, uh, I spent a lot of, you know, spent my holidays out there year after year. And I, I, uh, I won't say I don't miss it, but I won't say that I belong there either. Uh, I, uh, I can't, I can't expect that there's going to be some great evil someday that's going to be wearing a uniform that we're going to be, you know, charging up hills after. And our generation just got to fight the war that was meant to um, cost money. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a book. I mean, this is not a new concept. There's a book by Smedley Butler, who was a, a Marine that had two medals of honor. And uh, it's called War is a Racket. Very short. Take you, you know, like one good shit to read. And uh, it's uh, it's as relevant now as it's ever been. There's not one piece of dated information in that. It is absolutely nuts. And it was just that's a general in the Marines that figured it out when somebody sent him like, I don't know, back in the day, what would be now like a billion dollars worth of mosquito nets that there were no mosquitoes for it. He was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. realized what the fuck it was. Um. Yeah, well, if you don't know who uh, Smedley Butler is. My favorite American character is that dude's uh, has a fascinating a he was the center of a bunch of American controversies and foreign adventurism, <laughs> and he ended up being uh, I'm not sure you have described his eventual ideology, but uh, you know you get the, the the bonus army and the business plot and all that shit. Just go read his, go scan his Wikipedia page if you want to see like 60 years of American weirdness uh, all all lived lived by one guy. Um, yeah. yeah, but you just you look at how all this is unfolding and you were saying but they're not going to trust us anymore and like what we've left in place over there. And it's not hard to see, an, uh, you know, another eventual war, you know, in the future coming up over there, in which case it will be the same people who get rich as fuck off of it and the same people who die over there. And it'll just be the same fucking bullshit over and over again and it's just uh you know i don't know it's just <laughs> disheartening to say the least it, it'll be uh it'll be some guy with weird facial hair they always have weird facial hair and they'll tell us he's just as bad as hitler and uh yeah that's always the it's always the case well i mean look you guys know where the opium comes from and you know what mm-hmm. 
they make with opium and it's not just you know the guy in the alley um we there's a lot to be invested in in afghanistan and uh the taliban might look like they're running shit now but like <laughs> we're not talking about again a well-oiled machine now they can do a lot more with a lot less right they can basically spank the shit out of america with a sandal you know um but they're not in charge of the opium. They're not going to be for long, you know, wait until they find out their new daddy is China. And then where are we yeah. going to be back there begging Afghans to, you know, tell us where the bad guys are. This shit's not ending. We're, we're pulling out now and it's ugly. I'm mad. I don't look, I'm happy that Biden said like, it's enough. We're done. I'll be the one that pulls the plug on it because like somebody's got to end the fucking thing. But yeah, god damn man like a plan any kind of plan whatsoever would have been real cool like just just anything you know anything like a a, a leaflet drop get your shit and get the fuck out anything <laughs> yeah. you know but nothing not a yeah. damn thing. and we got we still got soldiers out there that are they got their asses hanging out they're you know <laughs> laying down suppressive fire on the runways trying to get people from clinging off the side i mean that's the, the most terrible thing that i've seen in recent history since I guess George Floyd, right? Like we're just can't top one thing after another is a guy stuck to the landing gear. Not even the guys falling off the plane, the dude just flapping on the side of a C-17 flying probably at 20,000 feet, you know, frozen, stuck. Yeah. It's like a wooden sock. I wonder what that looked like when they landed. Just you know? fucking desperation, man. So, uh, so is that kind of like, feel like you sort of alluded to it you're watching all this shit and me and mark were talking about how like i don't even know what the takeaway is other than this is all just fucking terrible everything about this fucking sucks you know all the fucking blaming and finger pointing is ultimately moot because it's just a shit show top to bottom but like if you could kind of, I know this is like kind of a bullshit question, but sort of summarize how you've been feeling when you're looking at this recently. Is it that, yeah, like you said, I'm glad Biden, somebody had to get us, somebody had to end it. It had to end at some point, but there were a lot of things that could have been done a lot better. Is that basically how you feel about it? Overall? I mean, everything could have been done a lot better. I mean, like any, yeah, any single aspect of it could have been done better the only thing that was done correctly was the the ending of it right the pull out right <laughs> but i mean damn like a little bedside manner and like look i'm not talking just for the sake of you know humanitarian effort I'm saying like we have a lot of assets down there on the ground and people right, right? and and some of these afghans are 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 important to america you know uh i met one of these guys in the united states once and uh i remember him telling me the last time i saw him how difficult it was going to be for him to be an american i say hey man a lot of guys that look a lot like me are going to always tell you you're a piece of shit because you're from over there but i will tell you that you are the american dream right I don't know anything about that. They, they immigrated over here and got to work and they did what our, our, some of our grandparents did the hard thing, leaving home. And like, there's an American spirit there. We just fucking just shit all over it. We just, you know, 
too too sad too bad buddy <laughs> welcome to the taliban run afghanistan uh there's a these people were important to the united states our equipment was important to the united states it really chaps my ass thinking about whose hands that gear ends up in yeah what what about that what about that part specifically man like what like because there's been a lot of talk about all the shit that was just basically abandoned that now the taliban has control of apparently like how does that happen in the first place it was hasty man there's no time i mean it's funny to say that they had 20 years to get their shit together right right we could have just got a parking lot somewhere bagram i mean anything we declared was our land we could have taken and they could have just parked them all on any of the bases that we're annexing or closing down or something like that, which is all ridiculously wasteful. These bases we'd build and they'd be like, oh, never mind. We don't like this area anymore. All the cool bad guys and the good targets are in Jalalabad. Shut it down. And uh, and we would leave, right? Spend $30 million on some shipping containers and some wire and some satellites. And now we're moving someplace. We could have moved all this shit somewhere and hit it with some thermite some white phosphorus or whatever just melted the shit out of it and went home. But now we have Taliban command. Look, some of these, these Taliban guys are guys that used to work for us, right? Some of them were ANA. Some of them were in these little, you know, special operations groups that the, our green berets were training for years out there that are not unfamiliar with, you know, and then said, fuck this, I'm going, I'm going over. And now they're working for the Taliban and now they have a scan Eagle, right? And now you're a 20 year old Lance Corporal in the Marines that's humping through some bullshit shale covered mountain, you know, with a tripod on your back (laughs) and the the bad guy could see exactly where you're shitting. Right. And now you can't figure out why they always know exactly where to blow you up. At least before we had the element of, you know, like uh, happenstance that they might miss us, you know, but it's all out there. Armored vehicles, all that shit just makes every. And it's because they don't give a fuck about soldiers, man. It, they don't care. Uh, right. We'll wave flags at them afterwards, right? We're all going to tell them good job and thank you for your service. And the politicians are going to, you know, cry when Lee Greenwood sings, you know, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you, American, whatever the fuck. It's, it doesn't matter. They don't care. If they cared, they would have made sure that didn't happen. We almost, it's like we almost want them to have the upper hand. It could justify maybe spend another hundred trillion right. or whatever in 10 years once yeah. China's got a good foothold over there. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that won't be surprising at all. If that's exactly what happens, Mark, uh, what you got, what do you got? You got anything? Uh, just the opioid thing made me think that the, the poppies, you know, the Taliban did my understanding to, uh, air quote, good things, was cracking down on opium trade and trying to crack down on child molesting. But the, uh, uh, like, I remember when I gave up on trying to figure out what the hell was happening over there, I saw this news story about two DEA agents getting killed in a remote province in, uh, in Afghanistan. And I was like, what the fuck is the DEA doing? It? Oh, they're trying to stop whatever the CIA is doing. Now I understand. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, ugh. what are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Listen, Stan, this has been awesome. Always awesome talking to you. Uh, you're uh, fucking 
like I said, uh, up top, head to toe legit. We appreciate you being here. I did want to ask, I don't know if you have anything, but like, I don't know if you even want people to follow you or anything like that. But if you do, you can now tell people how they can do that if you want to. Or you can tell them all to fuck off. That's fine. It's up to you. <laughs> no, I'm looking at these comments over here. I don't think anyone likes me. Um, I'm kind of a downer. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm a writer and, uh, and I, I, I pontificate and I put that on Instagram. I don't tweet. I don't give a shit. Um, I'm, I'm working on a novel. If you want to see pieces of that coming through, it's in my Instagram. It's not actual. Um, that's it. They, right on. They, give, they give us a bunch of shit in the comments too, Stan. So I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> All the uh, time, but there's plenty of people over here uh, giving you love too. Uh, but yeah, yeah no way, any way. So I'm happy. <laughs> all right well thank you so much buddy i'll uh you know i'll see you for too long we'll hang out and get a beer or whatever and thanks for coming on oh well producer matt wants you to say your instagram again <laughs> okay it's uh i'm putting it in this comment box said it to him it's stash actual um there you go. yeah uh it, trey it, it matt is a play all of you gentlemen it's just a pleasure every time i get to talk to you uh, thank you for having me uh thank uh, you Stan. any anytime you need me i'm more than willing to uh you know make everyone sad ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, now all you're doing is just talking about what the fucking shit is so thank yeah. you for doing that and yeah we'll see you for too long thanks Stan. appreciate it right on, gents. have a good one right. thanks there see ya Stan Mayer, everybody. Uh, here we uh, go. He's still sitting there. I'm trying to fucking. <laughs> Matt, producer Matt, get rid of Stan so he doesn't just have to sit there staring at us wondering what the fuck is going on because I can't do it. Um, thank uh, you. I'm back. Thank you, Stan. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to shut my computer off. All right. I love you guys. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Stan. Uh, dude, I, so one thing, I was trying to figure out why they can't just the refugee process, but a bunch of like, you know, horrible racism about foreigners and immigrants, uh, like has filtered into a political process. And there's like how to get refugees in is really stringent and strident. And Trump not admitting any refugees until the clock was almost already running out fucked us unless Congress is going to pass a new law or like what it it's very, it's just all awful. And you'd think that the president could just reach down to the bureaucracy and be like, no, we're going to take a hundred thousand people out. You guys get on it. We'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. But it's wild. Yeah. But that's what I'm like. We were talking earlier about uh, just that report that came out about sort of the strategy such that there was one over there, which there really wasn't on behalf of the federal government, you know? And it's like, um, like I said, they don't know, they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? And they're all just like, they have these like lofty goals or whatever, but they don't have a way to actually accomplish them or anything. People just say like, Oh, it'd be good if we didn't have no more of this anymore. Somebody make that happen. You know what I mean? But they don't know how to actually make it happen. And it just went on like that for 20 fucking years. They, they were promising to turn all the world's uh, theocracies into democracies and to rid the world of terrorism. Now, think about how dumb you have to be to believe that promise. 
and how naive like it's like you you, you might as well promise we can all like have ponies and it, it, it's 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 like it, it's so weird how small we think with our domestic priorities and how much we think we can just completely remake the world in our image it's like hillary used that ponies thing about uh uh medicare for all right but that's a much more easy thing to deliver than turning the entire middle east into a, a functioning parliamentary democracies or whatever you know at gunpoint yeah right no yeah no yeah it's, that's what i'm saying it's like you just say shit they just say mm-hmm. shit you know it's like it would be good if it was this way but yeah. you can't just make that happen you know but that's sort We're, of a politician's whole deal i guess uh I know we got to wrap up. So we're talking about how crazy America went after 9-11. And I keep thinking about this buddy I used to have, I used to work with, who was like, like pretty lib. He, you know, he was in the Peace Corps, right? And then 9-11 happened and he completely shifted his worldview and he became basically a neocon, right? And my whole thing was like, if you never, if you never factor in there being evil in the world into your worldview, then you didn't actually have any beliefs to begin with. But like, we have these arguments, you'd be like, we need to turn these places into democracies because democracies don't go to war with each other, which is a rhetorical sleight of hand because Germany was a democracy until Hitler took power, then they went to war. So you're really, you're just, you're changing definitions of shit, <laughs> right? Mm. And then also the reasons democracies don't go to war as often is because we're voting to send ourselves to war and our children to war and to spend our tax dollars on wars. And we get tired of it if we feel lied to. So when we pulled out of Iraq, he got real mad. Like, it's like, well, this is short-sighted. This is how this is going to end up backfiring. It's like, but the, the reason you want to turn those places into democracies is they won't go to war because for the exact reason you're seeing Americans want to get out of this war. So you you can't be like, America must become fascist, so we follow through on wars to turn other places into democracies. It does, it's, it's, it's all so fucking crazy, and it just it ends up being this sick loop, and I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a really sad day. Sorry for depressing everybody. No, it, well, again, it's just, you know, what are you going to do? It just is what it is. There's no other way to talk about it. Something so fucked up other than acknowledging how fucked up it is. And on that uplifting note, we will leave you. I will take this very uh, opportune moment to once again plug my tour. Go to wellreadcomedy.com. And also, if you want to see extra shit from me and want to support your boy, go to patreon.com slash Trey Crowder. But you ain't got to, and I love you like chicken either way. Thank you all very much for joining us, and uh, you got some more. Go see Trey on the road. It'll be more fun than talking about Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to put that on the website. That's the that's yeah. the that's the plug. It's more fun than talking about Afghanistan. That is our bar. Now, we try to have a good time. Come see us. Thank you all very much for joining us and we'll be back next week on the skews. So you love you bye. You.